Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Fleming, the pastoral intern for Discipleship. In today's episode, we're continuing our discussion on Chapter 2 of the Confession concerning the doctrine of God, and we'll be exploring the tension between God's gracious nature and His righteous wrath towards sin. If you have any comments or questions about today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find our contact info on our website at firstprescolumbia.org. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. All right, welcome back, listeners. This is Josh Fulming, the pastoral intern here at First Presbyterian Columbia. We've uh, got with me here today Reverend Squires, the uh, pastor of counseling. We've got our pastoral intern for counseling as well, Mark Capper. And joining us all the way from Mississippi is Josh Adair. He's the pastor of discipleship over at First Pres Hattiesburg. Welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, we're continuing our discussion today on on Chapter Two of the Confession, and I want to move now. I want to move maybe next. It's a good chunk of a phrase here in the same section, the same chapter of the confession. It's continuing to describe God, and it says that he is uh, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. I think we can all agree this is an accurate boiling down what the scriptures teach, but, but how's a phrase like this, which, which sort of holds this tension between God's lavish grace for his people, and but that also there is his, his wrath, his just uh, anger and, and punishment of sin. How might that play into what goes on when we're counseling? Yeah, so I think we need to do a couple things with this text first. One is that phrase, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, we are not talking about justification. Right. Right, in, in, in the sense that it's not that he rewards our effort from a justification perspective. Right. Mm. That is obviously not what they're talking about, and we'll get to later in the confession where they make that more obvious. Mm-hmm. But if for whatever yeah. reason you only tuned into this one episode and you're not familiar <laughs> with the confession or you don't know, you know, reformed theology or whatever, you might find yourself thinking, whoa, what does that mean? Mm. And actually having it cause you to undermine your assurance yeah. in that sense, right? Mm. So they do not mean it from a justification perspective. This but is they, not how you make yourself right with God. With that's God. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's You've got to correct. go diligently. I feel so counseled in your yeah. clarification right there, Josh. That's such a good <laughs> clarification. Well, you know, it's just one of those things that can begin to. And yet, and yet it is true that if we are justified and therefore converted, faith and repentance, the fruit of conversion, if we are genuine in our conversion, we do and should diligently seek after him, and he does reward that. Mm. And if you're not diligently seeking after him, then you have that sort of faith like James warns against that is a no-works faith. Mm. And the no-works mm. faith sort of faith is actually not faith at all because it's not the biblical faith. Right? Does that make sense? So, so there's this tension here where this isn't effort in order unto justification, and yet effort is rewarded and should be a part of the evidence of your justification. Mm. So I just want that to be, you know, clarify that before we we go too much further. 
Secondly, mm-hmm. I think the authors are trying to live out a good biblical tension, something that we see throughout Scripture, which is God is gracious and merciful. He is long-suffering towards his people, and yet we can't use his long-suffering nature as an excuse to take advantage of his grace that we might continue to sin, Mm. that he is someone who has wrath against sin, who is angry when sin happens, both for those who are not elect, uh, you know, or language would be reprobate, but people who are not one of Christ's, that he will pour out his wrath. But even for his people, Hebrews 12, he is a loving father who disciplines his children. Mm. So so in that sense, you can't be someone who genuinely has faith. Our faith only need be, be as strong as a spider spindle. That's the old Puritan way of talking about it. So, so not very strong at all, right? A spider spindle, a single thread of spider silk, anyone can walk through, even a baby could could make their way through. But it, it all has to be as genuine faith and it's saving faith. So you, you're not worried about justification there, but that even if you have genuine faith, you're genuinely one of his, if you continue to go on in your sin, guess what he's going to do? Well, out of love, he's going to discipline you. Mm-hmm. That That's what he's going to do. He's, he's not going to allow you to continue on. And then also, again, moving back towards the justification, he doesn't clear the guilty. Well, what does that mean that he doesn't mm-hmm. clear the guilty? Well, sin requires payment, mm-hmm. right? So, so the only ways in which this sin is paid for is either you pay for it or Christ has paid for it for you. Amen. But, but it's, there's no magic wand involved. There's no cooking the books when it comes to sin, right, where we just write it off and pretend like it didn't happen. All sin incurs debt, mm. and that debt has to be paid, right? And it's either going to be paid by Christ or it's going to be paid by you. Now, again, from a counseling perspective, what does that do? Well, it puts us in that sense of awe for who Christ is, that he would come and that he would pay that particular debt for us, even mm. though he stood in need of nothing, it also puts a right terror in us, you know, in our current therapeutic age, terror and fear are the enemy, but that's not biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom has a place for fear and terror. Mm-hmm. We should be terrified of sin and we should be afraid of displeasing our heavenly father in the same way that we often are afraid of displeasing our earthly fathers, mm-hmm. not out of some sort of pathology, but because they love us and they've put a lot of effort into us and we want to make them proud. Oh. And so that same thing, like we should be those who want to do our father proud and know that he doesn't clear those who sin without their being payment for debt. Mm. That's a great mm. cover. I mean, we see our culture is very concerned with justice, at least its own brand of justice. Mm. And right. and we also see things in the world that we, we know are not right and right. good. It can be very comforting to know, I mean, we think of current events, the conflict in Ukraine, some uh, you know, terrorist acts, things that happen. It can be actually quite comforting to know, even if it looks like right now justice is not being served, the Lord will not allow injustice to stand. Yep. There will be a reckoning. Yep. Yeah. And for those who, who are his children, who may often feel like we're, we're in a world that's just full of injustice, that can be quite comforting to know. Mm-hmm. That, that God will actually work out all things. I recently read, I think it was Michael Reeves is the author, but it was Rejoice and Tremble, I think is the mm. title of it. He, one of the things he talks about in that book is even 
a right fear and trembling before God when we see his mercy, his mm-hmm. grace in response to our sin. It's like, who is a God like this mm-hmm. who through Christ pardons our sin? Like there's something yeah. about that, like yeah. that should shock us and leave us again, not with this servitile or, you know, uh, fear, like, like in that sense, cowering, but a, a fear of like, what kind of God are you? That is incredible. I am in awe of who you are. So yeah, I think fear can have a very, very appropriate place in the, in the life of mm-hmm. a believer. And, you know, to even further build on the idea of that therapeutic nature of much of the counsel uh, that's given in our current world setting, Josh. I appreciated you saying that because you know there's a way that what what this is talking about is, is God's uh, personal nature and His absolute nature and how how those intersect and how He reveals Himself to us and this is both comforting and therapeutic in the fact that this God who is who is this powerful one and living and true God he exists and He's real but He's actually communicated Himself. I, I, we're kind of dipping back into that first chapter of the Confession right, when I say yeah. this, but like. He's communicated himself to us. Mm. And these these attributes that he has, he actually wants to give them to us so that he is a God who, who straddles those tensions of he, he does not pardon the guilty. He will not clear the guilty, sorry. But he also is a God who does not delight in the death of the wicked in the ways that he's revealed himself in Scripture. And oftentimes it's, it's through his judgment that he brings his salvation uh, to his people. I mean, that's a, that's a, there's a good book by James Hamilton talks about God's glory in salvation through judgment. All of this sort of conspires to the person who's in the counseling suite to say, he's actually, even, even in the ways that he challenges your sinful behaviors and he challenges and, and sort of encroaches upon you by his absolute person and deity you can trust him because he actually has your good available for you. Like he, he wants your good for you. He wants to bless you so that you can actually become who you were meant to be, which is an image bearer of him who reflects his glory and beauty, which we'll get to in further chapters of the confession. Mm. But um, it, it, I, as I was reading this and preparing for this, I just thought like, this is both the comfort and the challenge that comes from God being absolutely transcendent and really eminent. That's, that's the, 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 the theological terms that we say, that he's both high and holy and other on one level, but he's actually very near and close to us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's revealed to us in his character and what he's like. And it, it keeps us from, from sort of just only having that therapeutic lens of like, this counsel, this, this wisdom I'm getting is just meant to make me feel better. Because you can give people wisdom in the moment that might make them feel better, but doesn't actually help them in the end or change them from one degree to the next yeah but this actually says no like god god in communicating himself to us in in these attributes that he bears you can totally trust everything you hear from his word that talks about who he is and what he desires for you because he's as they say loving gracious merciful long-suffering abundant in goodness and truth Mm. and he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him Mm. and he hates Mm. sin he hates it more than you do yeah Uh, yeah, and he wants to better you. Yeah, I want to jump in on on that piece because there are two obviously diametrically p- opposed pieces of God's character that it's highlighting. It's his grace and mercy and his hatred of sin. And mm-hmm. interestingly, when we think about applying those two things, 
how we normally apply it is grace and mercy for our own sin and hatred of everyone else's. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's like it. you can yeah. see oh, other people's sin so clearly even mm-hmm. though you live with yours and know your own most. Mm. But you also know how wearing it is to yeah. fight your own sin. Mm. And and therefore you want grace, you want lavish grace, and yet you have zero patience. <laughs> Maybe a bit of an overstretch, but it seems like that at times. Mm, zero yeah. patience for other people's sin, if it's anxiety, if it's negativity, if it's something cultural that's being pushed out there, some sort of alternative lifestyle type things. So easy to get angry at that. And then allow our own sin to do nothing but fester and live. Mm. And mm. so really what scripture's view of this is, is we hate our own sin. We are to be constantly killing our own sin. In mm. fact, anger, anger is not bad. And what causes God to get angry? Sin. What is mm. anger? It's an energetic destructive emotion. So how do we use anger? Well, we destroy our own sin with it. Mm. right? Mm. But so often we use that at other people. We use our anger to try and destroy someone else's sin. Mm. And scripture doesn't say, you know, don't ever hold anyone else accountable, but predominantly its voice is be gracious and merciful and kind to one another. Mm. Right? Mm. So, Hey, don't try and get people to be gracious with you so that you can be angry with them but use God's hatred of sin in your life in order to destroy your sin, yet run to him for mercy. And then because you are mercifully, graciously forgiven, forgive others and have mercy towards them. Mm. Right? So those two characteristics in their right order is really important. Mm. What you said reminded me of the the parable Jesus tells of the the slave who's forgiven a debt, and then he turns around and you know, requires an exacting payment from his fellow slave. And, and it's, that's so often what we do, right? I mean, mm. we're quick to accept grace for ourselves. We, we want it. We need it. And others were like, no, 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 you pay in full. Yeah. <laughs> you well, this has been great. I, I think this has met my expectations about how uh, the doctrine of God actually is, is so incredibly applicable to our lives and how it can help ground us. And speak to our our issues. They're all of our, our our sin, our anxieties, our fears. So thanks, mm. thanks so much, yeah. guys, for this conversation. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Any yeah. final thoughts from any of you, gentlemen? Uh, not for me. I've, I've enjoyed this. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mark. No, yeah, this has really been insightful. Yeah, thanks, guys. Josh. No, it's just really good to re uh, reappropriate these truths for the benefit of my own soul. Mm. It's comforting to think about the God who's revealed Himself to us mm-hmm. uh, and who has shown himself to be who he is in his word. We carry this suspicion that God's not really like how he's said he is. Mm. And as he's spoken and and told us in his word and in his character and in his ways, he just goes to great lengths to say, like, I'm I'm really, I'm not like you thought I was. I'm actually better than you thought I was. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I, I, I might... I might not be as safe as you thought I was to uh, use C.S. Lewis because I feel like that's very appropriate, slightly not not outdone. It, it, he's he's good even though he's not safe, yeah. and uh-huh. he wants to bless you with that very goodness, mm-hmm. even as you learn to navigate the perils of being in relationship with this holy God. And the peril is that you can't continue your relationship with your sin in the ways that you did before, or mm-hmm. the ways of 
or relating to others that you might before. Mm-hmm. And he wants to bless you in that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually one of our greatest comforts, like you mentioned, Josh, that God isn't safe because it means that if we're his children, if we are part of his family, it means that um, that he is going to keep us safe from all his and our enemies, mm-hmm. um, that the devil who stands opposed to God uh, with all who have rejected and opposed God in their hearts that at the last, uh, God will preserve us and keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, even as we we are still in these sinful bodies and, and we do still have sin ourselves that we need to confess and repent, ultimately I think that is comforting to us that because we belong to God, the, the dangerous aspect of his nature especially does not frighten us but comforts us for mm-hmm. how he'll preserve us to the end. Amen. Amen. Well, for Josh Adair, for Josh Fleming, and for Mark Capper, I'm Josh Squires, Minister of Counseling. Thanks for listening to this episode of 1A. We'll come back together in a couple of weeks, continue to look at Chapter 2 of the Confessions. And until then, God bless.